1: All right, we want to welcome you into Ravens Weekly. This is a new kind of thing we're doing. It's a new project. I got Basili Laricos with me. This is just something we're gonna do for Baltimore Beatdown. Just a little extra content for you guys. We're gonna talk about some things in depth. Maybe talk about some articles. But right now, since it's April, the draft hasn't happened yet, we're all about the draft. We're going to be talking draft, we're going to be talking everything here, but this is going to be something that we're going to be doing once a week. It's not always going to be us. We're going to have other Bottom other, uh Baltimore Beatdown writers and editors jumping in, talking about giving their hot takes, things like that. So this is going to be something that we want to get started, promote it, let us know what you think, give us your feedback, topics you want to come on, and we might eventually do a contest where we can let one of the readers come on and debate us, because I know you guys want to debate me so much. So... We'll we'll get on with that, but we're going to start off with our first topic, and we're going to talk about our dream draft. You know, the draft it's just a little bit under two weeks away from what I'm thinking, and here's the thing, is everyone has their plans for the Ravens and what they should do, what they what they need to do, but this is the dream scenario. This doesn't mean it's going to be necessarily realistic, but we, we tried to make it as realistic as we can. This is our dream scenario. Now, Vasili, give me your dream scenario for the Baltimore Ravens of the first three rounds.
0: Okay, dream draft. Certainly, a trade down would be my dream. Uh, There's a lot of value in the second and third rounds. 16 is a little bit of no man's land, but uh, for um, hypothetical purposes, let's let's pretend that we cannot trade down in this draft. Ideally, we want to trade down with the Browns and get the 33rd and 35th pick, and you're not going to have the first round fifth year option, but The cost of the fifth-year option isn't really that cheap, so it's not that great. So let's get to it. At number 16, I think tight end, as crazy as it sounds, is the best move. And Mike Jacecki from Penn State is a freak athlete. He's an athletic mismatch. And he really fits the Ravens offense, what Joe Flacco and Marty want to do. Um, if you look at a lot of the teams that made deep runs in the playoffs last year, they have that tight end that moves the sticks on third downs, makes big plays. Moving on to the 52nd pick, I'm going to take Tyrell Crosby, right tackle from Oregon. He is not a perfect prospect by any means, but he's a plug and play player, very powerful. That would fit fantastic in Greg Roman and Joe gap power gap scheme. Moving on to the third round. I'm going to take the wide receiver who I believe has the highest upside in the entire draft. And that is Equimanius St. Brown from Notre Dame. He's 6'5". He's elusive after the catch. Uh, he can go up and get the ball. He runs 3 Pretty good roots. He's not a great root runner, but he has he has the skill set to really develop into a true number one, and there's not very many of them in this class. So that is my no
1: trade down three round mock. Wow, I'm not really sure where to start with that, but to me, so that draft would be it would be all right. But I, I, again, for me, I think that, and I hate to go back to this because we've already hammered this point home in Baltimore beatdown on the website. But if you're picking at 16 and I'm the Ravens... You know, Don't tell
0: me McGlinchey. Don't say McGlinchey.
1: Listen, it's got to be McGlinchey. It just, it's the only thing that makes sense. I get it that he's not the 16th best player in the draft, but when you combine positional value with the fact that there's so many wide receivers in this draft that you can take that have just as much of an upside, if not higher in the, late, in the later rounds, then it just doesn't make sense to me not to do it. And I think you, you're going to have a shot to take a tight end. Maybe... You can trade up with your second round pick to get a tight end if the tight ends start flying. To me, that's the wild card of the draft. Crosby, we've we've debated about this off the air. I'm not a big fan of Crosby. You know, I think that for me, drafting him the second round would be way too high. He's too inconsistent. He's not athletic at all, which I don't. Which I don't like. My offensive lineman. I need my offensive lineman to be athletic. And I'm not in love with his tape. His tape to me screams inconsistency. He's going to struggle in the in the NFL, particularly in the AFC North with the pass rushers, especially with what the Browns have now. And Equanimius St. Brown I like, but I, I can't hate on that pick. I do like him, but he doesn't have the highest upside out of any wide receiver in this draft class.
0: Crosby is a poor man's McGlinchey that you're getting 36 picks later. McGlinchey doesn't have great tape either, let's be honest. Neither of them are super athletic, and it's a value pick right there.
1: Oh, McGlinchey doesn't have good tape? Oh, I, I guess I forgot the NC State game when he stonewalled Chubb, but that's just, that's just that's the tape I saw.
0: Okay, well go check out the Miami tape.
1: But it evens out. We've, we've talked about this too. Is that that evens out. So, so it, it shows that he can play against the best of the best, but he can also struggle against Miami. But I think there was more to that Miami game than just what we saw, if you, that makes any sense.
0: Well, that's the most talented front that he played when he was in college. I'll leave it at that.
1: Okay. So I'll give your, your draft a B, a solid B. I mean, I, I just don't like the Crosby pick, and that's, what make, that's the make or break for me. But here's my scenario. I was a little bit more specific, and I don't think you're going to like it, but I was a little bit more specific. So in this scenario, the New England Patriots are going to trade up to the 16th pick because they're going to take a quarterback. There's been rumors that they're willing, that they're interested in trading up, unsure how realistic it's going to be, but in this scenario, they are. So the Ravens are going to trade the 16th pick to New England in exchange for the 23rd and 63rd pick. So according to the draft trade value chart, that that kind of aligns. So with the 23rd pick, the Ravens select Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State. Uh And then with the 52nd overall pick, the Ravens take the actual receiver with the most upside in this draft class, Michael Gallup. And then with the 63rd overall pick, the Ravens select Nick Chubb. And then with the 83rd overall pick, Martinez Rankin. So with... A lot of people are going to hate on the running back selection, but I think what Chubb brings is he brings versatility, and he brings another element to Baltimore's offense. Listen, Alex Collins was phenomenal last year, but we don't know if he's just a one-year wonder or if he's going to continue this. We saw it with Justin Forsett. Now, now I know there were different guys, and I know Forsett was more a product of the system and Collins was not, but you still can't tell me that this guy's proven because he's only had one good year. Kenneth Dixon, you can't rely on him because, one, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's had three three knee injuries since becoming a Raven, so that's kind of concerning. And... He has the suspension off the field character concerns. I don't think you can rely, rely on him. Not to mention, Bucks entering the final year of his contract. As great as he was last year, you gotta start looking for the future because I don't think you're gonna re-sign him. That, that and I think you can keep four running backs on the roster. Rankin is a poor, just like you said with Crosby. He's a poor man's. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, get him in the third round. I think he's got some plug-and-play value. Maybe not. But at this point, you got to find a way to get a tackle in the first two days because you can't trust James Hurst to be out there because he shoot, he's shown time and time again he's not a tackle in this league. So give me your grade on that draft.
0: Solid B. Um, good there. Uh, the problem with him is he hasn't run, so we don't know how fast he really is. But is he the most well-rounded tight end in the class? Absolutely. He can do a little bit of blocking. He uh, he can certainly catch the ball. I like Chubb. I'm not quite sure how his how he's going to translate. He's a little he's a little bit stiff. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of wiggle. But as far as taking a a back, you know, running back by committee, that's certainly the best the best way to go in my opinion. Um, so I, I give it a solid B.
1: A solid B. He says okay. So we're going to move on to our next topic. We went through our dream drafts. So the wide receiver that you think in the NFL draft fits the Ravens the, mo- the best right now. And I understand you have two. Is that, is that what I understand?
0: Actually, I had two, but I, I cut it to one. St. Brown will be one, but i have another one for you.
1: I, I have two actually, so if you could give me St. Brown too, because I know that he's coming a lot, under a lot of fire amongst Ravens fans because they don't think that he'd fit the system. So talk about St. Brown a little bit, then get to your second guy.
0: St. Brown, I, you know, he like I said, as I said earlier, he's the he's the prototypical number one. He needs a little bit of development. He reminds me a lot of AJ Green. He's that lanky. Tall guy, he can go up and get the ball. He he can get yards after the catch. Uh, He didn't have a great year last year, but Notre Dame's quarterback situation was atrocious. He had a very good year, uh, the year previously with uh, the Browns' first round pick or second round pick. Excuse me, last year the Sean Kaiser throwing him the ball, and he was just underused. And I think he will be undervalued. But uh, the 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 uh, wide receiver I really like for the Ravens, who I think fits. The scheme, the system, the city is DJ Moore from Maryland. And I am far from a homer. And at, f- and at first, I didn't I didn't like him because I actually went to Maryland for a few years. And Maryland prod- uh, products are often overhyped in the fan base. We all remember Matt Furstenberg, the tight end a few years back, who everyone loved because he went to Maryland. But the more I watched DJ Moore... Uh, I think he has the skill set to become the best receiver in this class. And let me tell you why. He is a tough slot receiver. And many look at John Brown, the acquisition, and say he's a little bit undersized. He's tailor-made for the slot. And that's incorrect. If anyone watches Arizona Cardinals film the last few years, they will notice that Larry Fitzgerald was in the slot. John Brown was on the outside, stretching the field. That's what he does best. That's what he's known for. He can do bubble screens and go routes. That's really his game. Um, and not to mention, he has a sickle cell trait, which means you don't want to expose him to a lot of hits from the head-hunting uh, defenders in the AFC North. So Moore is the is the man who would round out the receiving core. He's really the uh, one of the most explosive. Athletes in the class, uh, and he he's a he's a yards after the cat's monster. He has good hands, not fantastic hands. It's not always pretty, but he catches the ball. He catches the ball better than some other receivers in the class that are that are more hyped up, such as Calvin Ridley. Um, And he he has a a good frame to take some hits. And um, I I think that would be the best fit.
1: So my only question, I guess you can answer it, is. You're not worried at all that when they when the Maryland played tough competition aka the, the the top tier upper echelon teams of the Big 10 you weren't worried that DJ Moore oftentimes disappeared didn't show up didn't have good games that that doesn't concern you
0: I took I took a good look at the uh, at the game log and I don't have it in front of me at the moment the game, the team that he did struggle against was Ohio State and I will I will agree with that but he had I mean they're on another level Ohio State. Ohio State has they're the second best. Uh, you know, one of the one of the top talent producers out, out of all of college football. Against Michigan, against Penn State, against Texas, he produced in a big way, and I think that translates.
1: So uh, Ohio State DBU. I'll I'll don that for you. Correct.
0: No sec, second DBU after after the Seminoles.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I disagree, but
0: okay. But check I, check the All Pro team.
1: I have the game log in front of me, and uh, so he he went against Ohio State. He had two receptions for eleven yards, eh. but against Central Florida, I didn't. From what I saw, he was a matchup a little bit with Mike Hughes, but but he had eight receptions for eighty three yards and a touchdown, which is solid. But against Wisconsin, he only went three for three receptions for forty four yards, and then against Michigan, he had five receptions for thirty seven yards.
0: You have to take consideration he he was working with the third string quarterback. Um, who wasn't putting the ball in his hands for a lot of, for the most part.
1: I mean, let, let's be honest, though. I mean, if he comes to Baltimore this year as Joe Flacco, can we can, can we say confidently that Joe Flacco is going to put the ball in his hands right there every time?
0: No, not every time, but Joe Flacco is certainly better than Max Bortenschlager. That's for sure.
1: You're on record. <laughs> All right, let's hear yours. Let's hear yours. He's on record with that. So, Michael Gallup, I, I, I watch this kid's film numerous times, and I try to find flaws, and I really can't. i said this to you before, and you kind of, you liked it, but I see Antonio Brown this kid, you know. Similar measurables, similar speed, he can run every single route, he can beat you on every single route, you can put him in the slot, you can put him on the outside. Michael Gallup can come in and be a difference maker no matter what. If you want to throw John, Bar- John Brown on the slot, you can, because Gallup can play on the outside, mm-hmm. vice versa. But the other guy who I'm really excited about, and this is only if they don't get Gallup, Braxton Berrios, I think that he's the prototypical slot receiver Baltimore needs. He's Michael Campanero 2.0, except less injuries, less injury concerns. Ma- Braxton Berrios can be a return man. You can put him in the slot. He's got reliable hands. He can, ma- he can make a couple plays, turn, the- turn those small gains into big gains. He gets first downs. I love this kid. He's, he's gritty. He's got heart. He's got great hands. He's got passion. I- he's a Baltimore Raven to me. I-, I think the mock drafts are saying he's going to go around, around 5 or 6 maybe could slide up because and this is kind of going to segue into our, into our next segment is this draft to me it, it's so unpredictable and I want to get your your bold prediction of this draft because it, it's so unpredictable right now that I really don't know I really don't know what's going to happen I don't, I don't last year I think we had a general idea we thought we, we knew who was going to go where kind of what, what was going to happen maybe a little surprises here and there but we really didn't this year, it's wide open because as you always talk about in your articles, there's like 8 to 10 blue chip guys, and then after that, it's just wide open. It's a kind of personal preference who you like. So give me your bold prediction for this draft.
0: Absolutely, and I certainly agree with that. Just to circle back for a moment, I will, you will not hear any disagreement from me. I can see a lot of similarities between Gallup and AB. And uh, as far as Barrios, you're right. He's a, he's a savvy root runner. He, he's basically a healthy version of Campanero. But on to our... My bold prediction, um, and this is known uh, by many scouts, the year of the quarterback. So I decided to focus my prediction uh, on that avenue. And my bold prediction is that Josh Rosen will be the fourth quarterback off the board. And many believe, or some believe, I should say, that he is the most pro-ready. He throws a pretty ball. He's a pretty. He's a pretty boy, etc. And I have a few issues with him. The first issue is that he had a shoulder injury that ended his season, his sophomore season. And then his last season as a junior in 2017, he had two concussions and he was unable to play in the ball game. And to top it off, he has mediocre arm talent. He did not show well throwing the ball with shorts on. And he has, he apparently has a reputation as a hard man to coach. He—he's <laughs> he, a—he's apparently a know-it-all. He—he he, um, audibles out of plays. He just basically freelances. And uh, I just don't think he's a blue chip talent. I, th- I think Darnold and uh, Mayfield are the top two on the board. I think they should certainly be the top two off the board. And then Allen, I mean, he has all the skills. And if you are in a position where you can give him a redshirt year, he should be the third quarterback off the board, and then it will be Rosen. So at the end of the day, I believe that the durability concerns will push Josh Rosen down the board, and he will be the fourth quarterback taken.
1: Do you have a team in mind? I guess
0: possibly the Broncos. Is Is that the right range?
1: Well I've seen that the new trend now is that he's gonna to go to eleven, which I to the Dolphins, which I kinda of see, right? Because if you look at the draft the draft order and the way that it kinda of works, if he makes it past five, he's probably not gonna be taken till eleven till the dolphins, unless someone unless the Bills or someone trade up. But the Bills could already have had traded up and got their quarterback. So I think it's definitely interesting. I mean, when you just look at it kind of simple, the Browns, you know they're taking a quarterback. Giants, you don't really know yet. Jets Definitely going to take a quarterback. Browns, again, aren't going to take a quarterback. Broncos, probably not. Or they they might. That's the kind of wild card team. And then Colts, Bucks, Bears, Niners, and Raiders all are not taking quarterbacks. So it's really kind of a matter of if the, from what I'm seeing, if the Broncos take a quarterback and then maybe if the Bills trade up.
0: Well I think someone will move up into the late uh, single digits if, if he makes it past the Broncos. but I don't think he's going to slide super far, uh, but I do think he's going to be the fourth off the board and I, and I don't think he's going to live up to the hype.
1: Okay, so we got a free bus talk. I like it. I, it's definitely bold. So my, my bold prediction is a, l- a little bit bolder, but it's, I think it's going to make sense. The number one overall pick by the Cleveland Browns, it's not going to be Josh it's not going to be Josh Allen. It's not going to be Sam Darnold. It's going to be Saquon Barkley. I've thought about it, hate it, and I don't love the pick because it's all these different things, you know, positional value. You've got to take a quarterback. But I think the Browns are going to sit there. They're going to, they've got to be overthinking it at this point, and they're going to be saying this kid's a once-in-a-generational talent. We love him. I think we got to get him at one because the giant talk of going to take Barkley is heating up. I think there's a really good chance that the Barkley ends up going number one because the Browns don't want to miss out on him positional value there's there's so much there but and everything tells me he's not going to go one but I keep I keep thinking I I, I, it makes no sense to me it's just my prediction because I I think the Browns are going to find a way to make me not like them anymore
0: that that is indeed a bold prediction I want to know how many years in a row there can be a generational running back (laughs) because isn't a generational running back once in a generation
1: (laughs) well there was there was one last year there was there was there was one this year?
0: There was one the year one before, year. and there's one the year before.
1: <laughs> but they said that there was a report going out there that they said that, that Zeke, uh, the, the Giants feel that, that Barkley is Zeke, or is Zeke Elliott without the character concerns. But this is just me. Maybe I have short-term memory, but I don't think Zeke was this highly rated coming out of college in the combat. I mean, he was rated pretty high, and everyone said he's going to be a stud, which he was his rookie year, but... I don't remember the hype being this high for him, like Barkley. Like there was no number one talk for for Zeke.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. But but uh, Barkley has one flaw, and he and he tries to bounce it outside too much. If you can if you can coach that out of him, then uh, maybe he will. Uh, he'll be the best running back in the league for two or three years until he gets hurt and wears down. Put me in the camp to never take a running back in the first round, round under any circumstances. But I guess we'll find out in about ten days.
1: But he, the thing with Barkley, and that I just want to address this, is people want to talk about how he, had, he didn't put a, uh, get 100 yards in like 60% of his games or something like It was some stat like that where he didn't get 100 yards like almost every a couple games, some percentage of games.
0: He slumped hard in November, December. He but had a couple it, games in a row where he just couldn't really break out.
1: Yeah, but the thing that you have to realize is this guy was facing teams that were putting nine, ten guys in the, in the box that was that were selling out only to stop him. And I get it; you're going to see those stacked boxes in the NFL. I'm like, you've got to find a way to produce against them, against them, especially when you're a, a top-tier running back that you're supposed to be. But there's a point. There's a point in time where you have to realize that he had no quarterback. His offensive line was garbage, and there was no reason. Like like he had no help, and he was still kind of doing doing crazy things with the ball. So. To me, that's a little overhyped because in the NFL, how many times is he really going to see nine, ten people in the box? Seriously, I mean, it's just a question. No, a question. he's
0: not. He's not going to see ten men in the box. I mean, in the NFL, it's not going to happen. But if you're going to spend the number one overall pick, you want a running back that can beat eight in the box, in my opinion. So it, it's the elusive running back. That, you know, we have different opinions. I guess I'm a. I'm big on positional value.
1: So this is just in. I just got this from our senior editor from Yitzie White's, our, uh, our sensei. I asked him about how many wide receivers were taken in a, in a single round uh, recently. And from what, what I'm seeing, in last year's draft, there was eight taken in the third round. And then in 2008, there was 10 taken in the second round, which included Jordy Nelson and Deshaun Jackson. So I'm going to ask you this. Is that going to get broken this year?
0: so the number's 10 or 8
1: number's 10
0: 10 by the end of the 3rd or in one round
1: it just any round
0: that's a tough call i think the second round is going to be the sweet spot i don't think it's going to be quite 10 i could see maybe 7 in the second round what do you say
1: so i'm i'm looking at it now i'm just looking at the wide receiver prospects just kind of get a just kind of get a number about it like who's where but i don't see 10 at first i thought the record was going to get smashed but then the way that I'm thinking, because I think that what's going to happen is going to surprise people, is there's going to be at least three to four wide receivers taken in the first round. I think Sutton goes first round. I think Moore goes first round. I think Ridley goes first round. And I think there's a chance that Kirk can slide up there too. So three to four guys are going in the first round. And then you got your guys like Chark, Kirk, maybe if he if he makes it there. I could I could see Anthony Miller sliding into the second round, maybe. I can I know Gallup's going to go the second round. There's, I mean, there's just so many different guys, but I think if, if any round's going to have it, it's going to be the third round because that's where the meat is. And because you got guys like the Sean Hamilton, St. Brown's in play at the third round. There's just and Pettis is third round. I mean, I've seen mocks where they had Darius Fountain, the the kid from Northern Iowa, in the third round, which to me doesn't make any sense. Deion Kane. I mean, there's just so many different guys. But I, my number would be six. I think the most wide receivers are going to be taking a single round is going to be six just because they're so evenly dispersed. Right. I'm going to say the third round. I think the third round there's going to be the most, and it's going to be six because just because of the talent. Because I think teams are going to realize the, the, it's kind of drying up a little bit. Because there is, there is a drop-off. Although this class is deep, there is, there is a definite drop-off. And we found that out in our mock draft. There, and I found that out the hard way. Is that there is, there is a drop-off.
0: Yes, there is a drop. I will, well, let's, let's make a little gentleman's wager. Uh, I'll take more wide receivers in the second round, and you take more in the third.
1: Wow, we have a, we have a bet on the first official episode of Ravens Weekly. I, so we're going to post a poll at the bottom of this uh, for you guys to comment and like on, see who you like. I'm taking the third round. He's taking the second round. Before we get out of here, I want to ask you one question, and I, and I didn't tell you about this because I wanted your honest, raw reaction to this. I need, I need to know. Give me your take on Orlando Brown. And I I think it's a classic debate between Tate versus Combine. Where would you take him? Where do you think he's going to go? Yeah, where would you take him, and where do you think he's actually going to go?
0: I would take him in the second round, and I think he will go in the second round. Um, And here's here's why. Uh, When I watch the Combine, I want to see the fast players run fast and the... Strong players be strong, and the big players be big. And he, you know, his size is going to play at the next level. Um, we knew he was athletic going into the combine. He does have excellent tape, as you said. It's not pretty, it's not pretty, but he gets it done. It's hard getting around a, a six foot eight man with uh, what is it, thirty four inch arms, um, and and I, I think with the dearth of quality tackles across the league he's going to go in the second round. And I would not mind the Ravens taking him in the second round if that's the way the board falls.
1: Yeah, so he's got 35-inch arms, so just one inch longer. But So I, I agree, though. It's the classic thing. And I kind of disagree with you. You said his tape was pretty. I mean, the, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he allowed a single stack final season Oklahoma. I mean, his, it wasn't your classic, like, sexy, yeah.
0: Technician tape, that's what I mean.
1: The, the, the technique wasn't pretty, and I agree with that. And he's not a dancing bear. He's not a guy who you, like, really love to watch. Like, his tape really, from what I saw, it wasn't, like, fun to watch. But it was like, wow. Like, it was exactly what I thought from a guy who's six six eight with 35-inch arms that weighs 360 pounds. He's just a really big guy, and you just have to – it's hard to out, out overpower him, and it's hard to get by him. And But the thing is, is it's how much – do you put into the combine as opposed to how much do you, do you look at the tape and say, this guy's a football player, this is what he does on the field? And to me, you got to kind of, in order to really encapsulate this argument, you have to look at the opposite side of it, right? You have to look at guys who overperformed at the combine. You have to look at guys who excelled at the combine, who draft stock skyrocketed because of the combine. And look at how they produce in the NFL. I mean, there's so many guys that we saw just last year who balled out the combine. It didn't really make much of an impact. I know Obi Melofanwu was like the combine superstar. Everyone fell in love with him. And I know, I think he had some injury concerns and things like that. But let's just see how his career plays out. You know, I mean, there's just, I mean, there's so many different combine superstars that we can go through that we could say, oh, and then look at their careers and look at how they didn't really end up. So the, most of most of what the combine is is just checking off the boxes. That, of your tape to to make sure that everything goes, and it's also for the smaller school school guys like Dallas Goddard and things like and guys like that to to see how their tape speed compares to their actual speed, right? But Goddard, Goddard whether it was on purpose or not, didn't run the forty yard dash.
0: Uh oh, it was on purpose because he looks fast going against that competition on tape. But uh, but but I agree with you. It it really depends on it depends on the position. You know, corners need to be fast. Offensive linemen don't need to be that fast. Let's be real.
1: All right, that's gonna do it for us for this edition of Ravens Weekly. I want to thank Vasily for coming on, talking to me, debating. Even though he was wrong, it's fine. Uh, this is again, this is gonna be something we're gonna do once a week. So make sure you check us out on SoundCloud, check us out on here. Make sure you read all of our articles on Baltimore Beatdown. We will be running a contest for who's gonna come on and talk to us. So if they wanna contribute, go through that. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Town. You can follow me on Twitter at RealLoganLevy. And we got tons of more draft coverage coming up, leading you guys up to the draft. So for Logan Levy, for Vasily, we're out. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday and you can find this anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.